Hey, thank you so much for checking out today's video. I'm Pastor Matt, this is Pastor Adrienne, and we pray this message blesses you and encourages you all throughout your week. Absolutely. For any more information on how to be praying with us or to become a part of our community or to give, please head on over to takeovergera.com. Oh my gosh. Are you guys glad that you're in church this morning? Come on, somebody. Don't just say it because the pastor asked. Say it because you are actually glad to be in church. I got to tell you, there's no place I would rather be right now than 3584 Roger B. Chaffee Memorial Boulevard. Longest address in the world, and it's deep in this industrial park, but God is alive and active here, isn't he? Come on, somebody. I got to tell you real quick, because Adrian brought up the, uh, the altar here, I got, a, I got a dream, man, that one day this church, this church is going to be filled with people who are so radically changed by the love of God that they felt from their neighbor, from somebody who came to church here, who brought them, that they are just so radically changed by the presence of God and the Holy Spirit in their lives that they're running up here. This kneeler will need more of them, and we'll have a stage littered with cigarettes and lighters and drugs and magazines and whatever else and phones and things that we have unhealthy attachments with, and just week in and week out, we would see this altar set ablaze by the things that have held people captive for so long, and they would leave set free. That's a vision that we have for this home. Will you go there with me? Fantastic. Well, this morning, I got to tell you, oh, man, I kind of just feel like there's like a, that worship set was incredible, by the way, absolutely anointed, but there's like a tenderness in the air. Is that just me? Are you just, is, am I the only one that's just kind of feeling like, man, the Lord is just like tenderly resting on his people this morning. His word says that we're two or more gathered in his name. There he is in the midst of us. And he just came in with this tender, loving, fatherly spirit this morning. And so I'm ready to preach in uh, awareness of that tenderness. Sound good? All right. Well, this morning we're continuing our series, This Is Us. Somebody say, This Is Us. This is us, way better than the NBC show, way less sponsors, but we're getting there, okay? Um, <laughs> anyways, uh, before I make dumb jokes, but we've been in this series, and last week my beautiful bride, Adrienne, preached an amazing message. If you haven't heard that, the lions in our lives, go back and check that out. But this morning, we want to continue along this series because how many of you know it is completely possible in your life as you walk, you can profess to be a Jesus follower, but completely miss the purpose of a Jesus follower. So this morning, it is my idea, it is my hope, it is my joy to present to you a message that I hope just encourages you, inspires you, and challenges you to live out what God's word says is not only best for your life, but also as it is directed in your life by the Holy Spirit. Are you ready for the word of God this morning? Fantastic. Title of my message this morning, if you're taking notes, is Being Made Ready. Being Made Ready. Being Made Ready. And if you got your B-I-B-L-E's, you can turn it to Ephesians 5, 22 through 33, but if not, it's going to be up on the Sky Bible. Come on, somebody. Yo, give it up for uh, Nat and DJ in the sound booth today. Absolutely crushing it. Gavin was back there learning this morning. Uh, is Jalen back there? My man, he's also back there learning. Just loads of good stuff happening back there. People answering the call of God in their lives to serve in the local church. Love you guys. All right, Ephesians 5, 22 through 33. Go with me there, okay? Go with me. Be, here we go, being made ready. Verse 22, wives, submit to your husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church. His body 
and himself its savior. Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of the water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in such splendor, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing that she might be holy and without blemish. In the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself, for no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes it and cherishes it, just as Christ does the church. Because we are members of his body, therefore a man shall leave his father and mother, hold fast to the wife, and two shall become one flesh. This mystery is profound, and I am saying that it refers to Christ and the church. However, let each one of you love his wife as himself, and let the wife see that she respects her husband. We're going to pray, and we're going to see what God will do with that. Father God, Father God, we just thank you so much for this morning. Right now, God, we just, we present ourselves right now as your bride. We bring ourselves before you this morning, God, and we ask to be made ready. We are ready to be made ready, Father God. We have presented ourselves here today for no other reason than to experience the one true living God. So this morning, right now, we get all pretense out of the way. We get all preconceived ideas and notions of who you are and who we are out the way, Father God. And right now, we say, Holy Spirit, come and have your way, your mighty, precious way in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Being made ready. I'm positive. I am absolutely positive that everyone's really confused by the scripture choice today. But I promise you, it is going to make all the sense in the world. And I believe that God is radically going to change our lives. But being made ready. Are you ready? Being made ready. Because friends, for me, as I look at the world at large right now, as I look at the church right now, there is an hour that you and I were made for. Right now, you've got to know this first and foremost. You are not here by accident. Your life is not happenstance. You may have come into this world by nefarious means or some things that were terrible, and I'm so sorry for that. And however, you know, mom and dad and the whole situation, there are things that are heinous and completely inexcusable. And I'm sorry if that is how you happened, but you are here with intention and with purpose, with an identity and you were made for such a time as this okay you have got to understand that you were made for this hour right now it is so paramount that the bride of Christ that she understands that she understands you and I that we understand that we were not only made for such a time as this but we have an assignment for such a time as this. We were not just here on happenstance and just without any idea or direction, but we were made for such a time as this and we have an assignment for such a time as this because we got so many people who are part of the bride of Christ, the bold, beautiful, amazing bride of Christ. And right now, instead of shining in this hour, they are shying from this hour. Instead of shining in this hour, they are shying from this hour. And friends, let me tell you as your pastor, as your friend, as your brother, as your homie, as your guy, I'm with you till the end of the line. And part of us getting to that finish line is knowing that we are not called to shy away in this hour, but we are called to shine in this hour. Are you ready to get ready? For some of us today, I think a question we may need to ask ourselves we may need to ask ourselves this morning, is are we ready? 
Are we ready? Are you ready as an individual? Are you ready? Ready for what? We'll get to that. But are you ready? Are you being made ready? Have you been made ready? Have you been getting ready? Or if you took an honest inventory of yourself, would you profess today that you haven't been getting ready? You've not been made ready. That there are things in your lives that are surely not ready or in the place and the perfect time and where Jesus would prefer them to be in your life. And I'm going to, to that, I'm going to say it's okay. We're going to get ready together. We're going to get ready together because the bride of Christ is so desperately needed in this hour, at this time, in this day and age. We got so many Christians out here who are out here turning their lights off who are not fanning the flames of revival in their own hearts. And that's why we have churches that have gone dim. We have taken boldness out of the pulpit. We have completely emasculated the gospel. But there's one thing that can actually change the lives of the people, not just in this room, but the people who occupy the space outside of it. And that gospel is needed to be the full gospel of Christ. Growing up in church, which I guess, okay, 16, you're still growing up at 16, right? At 16, I didn't understand what it meant to be a full gospel church, but as a 30-year-old lead pastor of a church, I certainly know what it means to be a full gospel church now. It means that you have a divine responsibility placed on your shoulders by heaven to declare the truth that is Jesus to a dying and broken world that is in such desperate need of his love, his grace, his mercy, and his truth, amen. You see, you can look around right now and you can ask yourself, is the bride ready? Has she been getting ready? Is this the bride that Jesus speaks of that he will come back for? Because right now, friends, it is dark outside. It is grim outside. It is destructive outside. It is deconstructive outside. There are so many things that are going on outside these four walls, and the world is in desperate need of faith, hope, and love, okay? And the church has an abundance of it. What are we doing with that abundance of it? Are we ready to be the conduits of, conduits of the abundance of it? Are we bringing the message and love and grace and mercy and life, the way, the truth, and the life that is Jesus? Are we bringing that to the streets? What does any of this have to do with Ephesians? We'll get there. Friends, the world is in desperate need of the body of Christ, whether it knows it or not. And kingdom of heaven is in desperate need of the bride of Christ. And he is imploring us to be that bride. So here we have Ephesians. And Ephesians is easily, hands down, at least top two. Uh, books for me in the Bible. I love Ephesians. I love the church in Ephesus. If you're not familiar with it, this was written by the Apostle Paul, who obviously used to be Saul. In case you don't know, he was a guy who was, uh, you know, 
basically just like Jewish high order was like, hey, dude, go out and kill Christians, followers of the way. And Saul was like, I'm on it. And then Saul would go about stoning and imprisoning and killing Christians and doing other heinous and nefarious things. Like Saul was a bad guy, radical transformation with Jesus, becomes Paul because he left that old life behind. Get out of here, kid. And now he is actually an apostle overseeing lots of churches, and that brings us to Ephesus. Ephesus, real quick, is in Turkey. So if you need like a modern-day place to point that, Right now, Paul, in this letter, is talking to Turkish people, okay? You ever had Turkish coffee? Extra sweet? It's delicious. Best thing ever. Get yourself some Turkish coffee, okay? It's fantastic. But here we are, and Paul is writing to the church in Ephesians, in Ephesus, and honest to God, if you read any of Paul's, you know, letters and, and all, that got, all that in the Bible, um, you'll see a through line. Like, Paul is pretty hardcore, and Paul is like, okay, Corinthians, you messed up. Rome, you way messed up. Like, everybody, you messed up. You got things going on in the church and the pulpit and everywhere, and we need to fix this right now. You left Jesus behind for all sorts of other stuff. And then there's Ephesus. And Ephesus really, to me, appears to be, like, Paul's favorite church. And I'm not saying that he's letting them skate or get away with anything, but honestly, God, like, when you read Ephesians, Paul is just kind of encouraging. He's just going, keep going. You haven't, you haven't traded the light for darkness. You haven't put Jesus out of the pulpit for another spirit. Like, keep going. You are doing so great. And why that's important is because we read this scripture. And in fact, I actually just read this scripture yesterday at a wedding. I just performed a wedding for Phil and Kayla Vedetic. Uh, that last name is the hardest name in the universe to pronounce, um, especially if I had some ice cubes. And so that's for you, Phil and Kayla. <laughs> um, but I just said this scripture uh, yesterday at a wedding, and the funny thing about that is I think today, when you heard me open up with this, the chances are we all went to, is this a message on marriage? Is this a message on, on what it looks like to be a husband and a wife? Because at the wedding, this is usually where you would hear this scripture, right? You would hear the scripture, and you would hear the preacher, myself, being like, hey, this is what the two of you are made for. This is your union. These are your rules. This is how you are going to best serve and be in God's will and all these other things. And that's what we would do. And that's good and well. In the macro, in the micro, you would see, in the micro rather, you would see this as about a husband and a wife. But in a macro, you will see this as Paul actually meant it. And let me explain. Because moments before this, in this, because there's no breakdown in actual letters, like this, this just so us, so we can absorb it better, um, that he puts it in chapters. But there's actually no breakdown. And moments before this, Paul is explaining the new life in Christ, what the new life in Christ looks like. All of a sudden, he hits us with the husband and the wife deal. And then immediately following this, he talks about how kids are related to their parents. And then after that, he talks about bond servants and masters. And then after that, he talks about the armor of God. And I'm going, hold up. Like, you are hitting so many different people groups right now, Paul. Like, what is happening? But that's just micro. In the macro, I think we can look back and we can look at this and we can go, wait, 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 wait a minute. We are seeing this so short-sighted. Paul is in no way simply talking to how uh, husbands and wives are to treat each other or how kids are to respect their parents, or how bond servants and masters are to respect and respond to one another, or how cool shiny armor is. All of a sudden, you take a step back from the micro, and you look at the macro view of it, and you go, wait, Paul's declaring and showing what it looks like to be a new Christian, a new creation, with the new life. Wait, wait, wait a minute. He's showing what it looks like to be the bride of Christ. He's showing what it looks like to be a child 
of Christ. He's showing what now it looks like to be a servant of Christ. And wait a minute, we're getting to the armor of God, and now he's showing me what it looks like to be the body of Christ. All of a sudden, we're in the micro, and we are missing the macro because there is a larger picture. And I believe today that if we can get this macro image of what it looks like to be the bride of Christ on the inside of us, this scripture will radically change our lives today. You will leave here with more hope than you've ever had. You will leave here with more purpose than you've ever had. You will leave here with more faith than you've ever had because in this scripture, Paul speaks to your assignment, your identity, your recognition, whom you now are as the bride of Christ. I'm not preaching to anybody this morning. You see, friends, trying to keep in that tender place with Jesus, but Matt's going off. You see, friends, we understand so often what it looks like to be the body of Christ. We've heard that said so many times. We kind of get a picture of it. We know that scripture in 2 Corinthians when Paul's like, some are an ear and some are a thumb and some are the bum and uh, you just got to, no, I'm just kidding. Uh, (laughs) Oh, that was good. Um, Sorry, made myself laugh. Um, Told Adrienne I wouldn't make any butt jokes today. Anyways. um, But we know that scripture about these things. But so often, Christians, we will have this revelation given to us. We'll understand that we have a role to play in what it looks like to be a part of the body of Christ. And yet, whether it's what the world is telling us, whether it's what our own sin is telling us, or whether it's because the enemy is getting after us, at some point in time, we have decided that it is best for us to exist autonomously instead of in the anatomy. Somehow Christians right now worldwide, not just in Grand Rapids, we have been convinced, we have been misled, we have stepped into the belief and the lie that we can now exist autonomously instead of within the anatomy. The problem with that is if we are going to be the body that is the bride, we have to marry those two things together by the way, if we're going to be the body that is the bride, we cannot be an extremity that lives autonomously. If you are a thumb, what's an extremity? Extremity, okay? It's an it's a arm, it's a leg, it's a foot, it's an ear, it's a tongue, it's a tooth, it's a lip, it's a nose, it's an eyebrow. Like if you, if you are an extremity, you cannot live autonomously because what happens when you cut something off from the body? It dies. Absolutely. You cannot fulfill the call of God on your life autonomously and not live in anatomy. You have got, am I preaching this morning? Come on, somebody. You are an extremity of the bride. I'm going to put it like this, and I don't mean anybody hear me, okay? Please don't get offended. Jesus isn't coming back for a peg-leg bride, okay? Jesus is coming back for a beautiful, immaculate, spotless, blameless bride, amen? And what that means is that because you and I are a part of his body, of his bride, we cannot exist autonomously and fulfill the call of God on our life for anatomy, Friends, you and I, we have got a role to play in this. This is our time and this is our hour. We are not on the bench. We are in the field because we are his body and his bride. 
And today I hope we leave with this divine revelation this morning that we have got to get it in gear. We have got to get it in gear. Don't live. Don't live autonomously. Because when you live autonomously, you're going to start living vicariously through everybody else's situation, everybody else's faith. And all of a sudden, you're going to have FOMO, fear of missing out. And the next thing you know is you're judging your life and yourself based off somebody else's Instagram because it's their highlight reel, not your low right reel. And the next thing you know, you are depressed, sad, and without friends. And you are completely uh, removed and excommunicado from any sort of community in your life. That's not in my notes. That's free. Don't do that. You were not made for autonomous living. You were made to be in the anatomy. So Paul, as he starts this off and he's talking about what it looks like to be the bride, I just want to see what he says in this first portion. He says this right here, ready? Wives, submit to your husbands as to the Lord, for the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body and himself, its savior. Pause. It's 2021. We hear that scripture, wives, submit to your husband, and we're like, hold up. Hold up. That is misogynistic. That is sexist. That is completely 1950s. It is 2021. I'm going to speak my truth, live my truth, do my truth, and you're going to respect my truth. Wives, submit to your husbands. And we'll read that that way. And we'll interpret it that way. And you won't hear a single thing that I have said after that or what the Lord is saying to you after that. Because you have now begun to interpret this through a broken lens, a broken truth, which is a lie. And because of your experience of broken men and broken women. You will hear that and you will go, that is misogynistic, some white man in some place. He wrote that, yada, 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 colonizer. And it just goes out, it goes way off track. But again, that's micro. Because that's actually not what Paul is speaking to. Paul is using husband and wives. While yes, this is great, great, great way to live. And I believe that's totally why God put it in there. And it's a great way to trust your spouse and love your spouse and do all these things. But we are broken people, and we will interpret that through broken lens and broken marriages and broken people that we have seen and done life with and broken truths that we have heard. And that's not at all what Paul is speaking to. What Paul is speaking to is the simple fact that when he says, wives, submit to your husband, the very next statement actually makes that possible. Do you want to know what it is? He says this, wives, submit to your husbands as to the Lord, for the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and is himself its Savior. Now... As the church submits to Christ, so also wives submit in everything to their husbands. Pause. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loves the church and gave himself up for her. Hold on. Because that changes the context, doesn't it? All of a sudden... We're hearing Paul say, wives, submit to your husbands in absolutely everything, every whim, every demand, every unthing. But he's not a righteous man. He's not a biblical man. He abuses me. He this and he that. And I get it. And that's not okay. And you should call the cops and call somebody and you need to get that figured out, okay? 100%. We are not that kind of church that says, you know, just get beat up. No way. You tell me and I'll come take care of it, okay? I'll get Zach to come with me to come take care of it. Just throwing it out there because I'm 140 pounds soaking wet holding a brick. But... In saying that, 
all of a sudden when you read that next verse, that Christ loves, husbands, love your wives as you love yourself. Suddenly, oh, the, wait, wait, wait a minute, wait a minute. When we understand that he's actually talking about the bride of Christ and Jesus is our husband, when he starts talking about how the bride of Christ is you and me, his body, and he's talking about Jesus, our groom, Jesus, our husband, Jesus who's coming back. And I know maybe this language makes you feel uncomfortable, but it's in the Bible and it's there for a reason. And maybe you should be made a little uncomfortable by it. It's okay, all right? Like, I get it. But we need to understand Jesus is our bridegroom. We are his bride. And suddenly, no longer do you have this misogynistic view because you're thinking about broken people. Now, all of a sudden, you're going, wait a minute. Do you know how easy it is to submit to a husband that's perfect? As the bride, all of a sudden, Wait, 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 he's perfectly compassionate. Wait, wait, he's perfectly honest. Wait a minute, his love is absolutely perfect. Wait a minute, his correction is absolutely perfect. Oh my gosh, the way he is leading me might look daunting, but his way is perfect. Oh my God, this is gonna be so hard to live how he's asking me to give up all this money, he's give up this job, and I'm gonna move to Grand Rapids, I'm gonna be part of Takeover Church, I'm gonna be whatever it is, and all of a sudden, but he's perfect. He's never gonna lead me astray because he's perfect. He's never gonna hurt me because he's perfect. All of a sudden, we go from thinking this is misogynistic and domineering, and all of a sudden, we are seeing this as heavenly as perfectly we see this as perfect suddenly we're going this isn't out of domineering but it's out of heavenly suddenly i can respond to jesus so differently he can ask anything of me and there's not a single thing i wouldn't do for him because man he's jesus and he loves me perfectly Though none go with me, it's okay, he's perfect. Though my husband doesn't treat me well, he's perfect. Though you've never seen love walked out like this in the natural, guess what? He is perfect. Suddenly, you know what? I can actually submit everything to him because he's perfect. I come into a broken marriage because I grew up in a broken marriage and I'm coming with my broken mess and I'm offering my partner my brokenness and I'm going, here, you take my baggage, I'll take your baggage and we sure as heck will see each other in divorce court in five years. We'll figure it out then. Who gets alimony and who has the kids? We'll figure it out. But all of a sudden, when we see what Paul means in this scripture. This isn't, this is not about your brokenness. Your brokenness isn't a factor because he's issuing you and he's asking you to submit it to him fully. He just says, give everything over to me. My bride, I'm perfect. I'm not worst case scenario, I am the scenario. I can lead you perfectly. I can correct you perfectly. 
I can encourage you and inspire you and give you dreams and visions perfectly. I can use you perfectly. He's perfect. Friends, we, we look at the scripture and we just think that it's some manual and some handbook for marriage, and it definitely is. It definitely is. That is awesome. I have got a cramp from Hades in my left foot right now. Wow. Too much coffee, not enough water. Thanks, babe. But we read this. And it's no longer in a broken lens, but we're seeing it now just as the church submits to Christ. So also wives submit in everything to their husbands. Husband, love your wives. Friends, that's, that's the part that we got to get to. That's the part that we got to understand. You see, at some point in our lives, we said, Jesus, I can't lead my own life. Jesus, I can't lead my own life. And we bent a knee, and we gave everything over to him. And we said, come and be Lord of my life. And when we do that, we're saying, I put everything on the table. It's all yours. Take what you want. Take what you don't. Get rid of what's in me that's not of you and make the most of my life that you can because I am fully submitted to Christ. Friends, can I just declare to you today, everything he asks you to withhold from the brokenness will be worth everything you're about to enter into in his gloriness. That's bad grammar, but that's great preaching. Because you're going to withhold you're going to withhold so much of your life from the world, from broken people, from brokenness, from broken relationships, from broken habits. You are going to withhold everything because in order to submit everything to Christ, you have to withhold everything from the world. Do you understand this morning? And you're going to feel like you're missing out. And you're going to feel like you haven't experienced some things. And you're going to feel like maybe you just never had a chance to do self-discovery. And Jesus going, forget self-discovery. I can love you perfectly. good is Jesus everything that you will withhold from the world around you will be worth the glory that you're about to enter into I'm withholding this from the world I'm, a, I'm withholding my self identity because my identity is found in Christ I'm withholding my sexuality because that's found in Christ. I'm withholding my thought life because that's found in Christ. I'm withholding my marriage because that is found in Christ. I'm withholding my difficult single season because that is found in Christ. I am withholding my anger and my hurt in my court case because that is found in Christ. Every single area. I am withholding my addiction because that is now found in Christ. I am withholding it all from the world world because it is found in Christ and friends when you withhold all of that and those are just a few examples 
if you just withhold that from the world, what you are really doing is being made ready, that you are being made ready for a life that is free of shame, that is free of guilt, that is free of condemnation, that is free of just self-hate and self-pity. Like you are being saved and withdrawn from all of these things when you withhold from the world that is broken. Because when you submit everything to Christ, what you're about to enter into is glory. In that room that is radiating light, that is full of glory, there's your perfect love. There's your perfect self-image. There's your perfect sex life. There's your perfect identity. There's your perfect, there is your perfect. I'm being made ready. Ready for what? For perfection. Perfection is the goal here, but it's not by your will, it's not by your might, it's not by your striving, your ceasing, or anything. Don't hear me today, because we don't come to Christ perfect. We come to Christ as we are, and he makes us perfect because he perfectly loves us. Have you ever seen, have you ever seen a woman, a wife, that's married to a powerful husband. Broken example, but let's go there. Have you ever seen a woman who's married to a powerful husband? Have you ever seen a woman who's married to a husband that loves her beyond himself? Where she has complete assurance in his faithfulness and who he is, what he thinks of her? Have you ever seen how that woman walks into a room? Have you ever seen how her head is held high? Her shoulders are back. How she is so self-assured. She is so self-aware. She knows that she is safe and that she is loved and that she is protected and she's provided for and she is looked after and her husband is a man of his word. Have you ever seen that? Well, take those images that just popped in your head and put a perfection filter over them because that's who Jesus is and that's the kind of bride that we're called to be. Suddenly, look how your life will be when you go, wait a minute, he loves me perfectly. Tires go out in the car, but he loves me perfectly. I'm provided for. Sickness comes to your home, but I can be healed because I am protected and I am loved and I am healed. He's given himself for me. He loves me perfectly. All of a sudden, the way we live, the way we pray, the way we believe, we don't live striving for perfection. We live being loved by perfection. Am I preaching to anybody this morning? Check this out. What he says next is amazing. Is this good? Is this helping anybody else this morning? Here we go. Gotta find my scripture. It went away. <laughs> he says this. Whoo! That he might sanctify her, verse 26, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish, that he might sanctify her and cleanse her friends. Cleansing is not a washing. Cleansing is not a cleaning. This isn't spot remover. This isn't stain remover. This is not an outside job, leave the inside looking terrible. This is not Matt McClure growing up and pushing his dirty floor underneath his bed and then putting the uh, cover over the top of it so mom and dad can't see it. You know what I'm saying? Like the floor is clean, but the room ain't really clean. You know what I'm saying? Has anybody been there hiding your street sharks under your bed? You know what I'm saying? Been there, done that, but that's not clean. Street sharks reference 2021. We went there. It's good. Friends, cleansing 
when it comes to Jesus, this isn't just a washing. This isn't a makeover. This isn't a move that bus situation. This isn't a paint job. This isn't a refurbishment. To be cleansed by the word of God means to be made pure by the word of God. To be made pure means this is more than just an inside job even. It means that the word of God has radiated through every single portion of your being, changing you from the inside out. Changing you from the inside out. The work of Christ in your life actually begins on the inside, cleaning the inside, sanctifying the inside, before you even get rid of all the other extremities and, and situations that are happening on the outside. Jesus goes in for a cleansing job on the inside before you ever have an outside cleanup job. Amen? But you see, so many of us as the bride of Christ, we want to marry the bridegroom, but we're not all that interested in being the bride that he wants to marry. We want what the groom has, but we're not always super committed to being what the, what the groom wants. How do I know that? Because he says, cleansing by the word of God. And we hear he wants to present us spotless and blameless without wrinkle. And we hear that and we're pushing him back like some sort of abuse victim because we're going, How? How can you present me without wrinkle? How can you present me without spot or blame? How can you do that to me? Don't you know where I've been? Don't you know the people I've hurt? Don't you know the people I've killed? Don't you know the people I've stole from? Don't you know the things that I've done? Yes, friends, even murderers can be presented spotless and blameless and wrinkle-free. That's the beauty of Jesus. He is able to do exceedingly above all of our mind's limitations. Come on, somebody. He can do it. But we will hold him at arm's length and it will become some sort of self-fulfilling prophecy where we follow Jesus, but we've never actually changed. We've cleaned up the outside, but the inside has remained the same, the same hate, the same doubt, the same pity, the same all of it. Because we have done the self-fulfilling prophecy where because we don't believe Jesus is able to change us, we don't believe Jesus is able to wash us. So he never actually does wash us because we never get in his word and we never allow him to touch us. It becomes a cyclical, self-fulfilling prophecy where we are so familiar with our own sin, our own baggage, our own dirt, where we are so acquainted with, so familiar with, so accustomed to living in our own brokenness that we go, there is no hope for me. Maybe if I love Jesus, I'll make it to the end of my life just skidding by by the hair on my chinny chin chin, and I'll get in at the last moment before St. Peter closes the gate, and that, if I'm lucky, is what will happen. But that's not the bride. That's the bride's best friend who has a thing for the husband. <laughs> Being honest. Jesus isn't interested in some flaky, flirtatious side piece. That's for me. Jesus is interested in what he calls his bride. 
and you're going to be pure, and you're going to be spotless, and you're going to be wrinkle-free. And I'm not saying one of those things where we got the wrinkles out, where we got the blemish out, where we refurbished the home. But you know what, man? There's just that water damage from that one night with escapades. There's that one night that we got into things we shouldn't have got into. There's just that one spot. Man, this room would be perfect if that just one spot wouldn't have happened. No, that's not what he's speaking to. Spot free, cleansed, made new, purified, blemish, water damage, poor decisions, consequences, radically and completely altered by the washing of the word of God. You've got to get this on the inside of you today, church. I believe that if we can understand our position as the bride, friends, we will leave here radically different today. If we understand, it might make you feel uncomfortable because we grew up in this culture, okay? I understand that, but it's okay, men, all right? You are the bride of Christ. Deal with it. It's okay. It's okay. Just let this happen because the second you understand whom you are and what you are, you will know what is available to you because, friends, this life it's not about loving Jesus the way he sees, or the way you see fit. It's about loving Jesus the way he sees fit. It's not about loving the world the way you see fit. It's about loving the world the way he sees fit. Friends, this is all about Jesus, what he wants, what he calls for, because he knows what is best for us. Because remember, he's perfect. You see, Jesus Jesus doesn't choose us because of us. He chooses us because of what he can make us. He doesn't choose us because of us. Because of us. It's not your good works. It's not your good looks. It's not your striving. It's not your ceasing. It's not your attempts. It's not any of these things. He doesn't choose you because of what you bring to the table. He chooses you because of what he can make you, which is his radiant, beautiful bride of Christ. You got time for two more portions of the scripture? Come on, somebody. Right here, he says this. He says this. In the same way, okay, this is verse 28, without blemish. In the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one has ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes it and cherishes it, just as Christ does the church. Friends, you've got to get this on the inside of you today. If you could leave here, you would leave here with the most confidence and faith you've ever had in your life. Because you would understand, oh my gosh, wait a minute, I'm the bride of Christ. What does that mean? That means Jesus, he loves you the way he loves himself. Hold up. Perfect Jesus loves imperfect me perfectly the way he perfectly loves himself? Do the math. Wait a minute. I am imperfect. I still got wrinkles. I still have spots. I'm still for blame. I still have issues. I'm still figuring it out. I'm still new to faith. I'm still new to church. I'm still new right now. I'm still trying to get my sea legs underneath me. What do you mean, Jesus? It means while you are imperfectly walking out, your love and your life with Jesus. Jesus being perfect 
is perfectly loving you, imperfect person, perfectly the way he loves his perfect self. Carry the four, take the two, make it eight, divide by five, multiply by seven. He's making you perfect. As he perfectly loves his perfect self, he perfectly loves your imperfect self, making you perfect in his sight and in his time. It's about what he can make you. And he desires, you're getting ready. You're getting ready to be made perfect. That's the goal here, that you would be a bride so radiant, so beautiful, so full of light and love, so fulfilling of your assignment of Christ, that as you walk this out with him, he is loving you perfectly. What do you mean? It means he's going to nourish you because he nourishes himself. You mean God's going to take care of me? Yeah, because God takes care of himself. God's going to look after me? Yes, because God looks after himself. God's going to heal me? Yes, because he's never needed to be healed, so he's got an abundance of it. You mean God isn't ever going to harm me? No, because God never harms himself. You mean if I mess up that one time, or maybe I go into a season of messing up a bunch of times, and I just feel like I completely hate myself, God isn't going to hate me? No. Come home. Because he can't hate himself. He can't hate you once you're in Christ Jesus. Come home. Let his love for you eclipse your hate for yourself. What do you mean he cherishes me? It means he holds you in high esteem. I'm not worthy of being high esteem. Yeah, but you're brushed in red. He sees you with a different lens. Blue light's not needed. He's got red light on you. And he sees you as he sees Jesus. He loves you as he loves himself. If we left here today with that conviction, we would be the utmost confident and faithful believers this city has ever seen because we would understand, though imperfect we may be, we are being perfected daily because of how Christ loves us, because of how Christ loves himself. Worship team, you can make your way up here. Am I preaching to anybody this morning? Is this not good news? We're being made ready. And this is what it looks like, friends. I know it's a hotter morning. I know it's a lower morning. Oh, I can't wait for September when we can like open it up and get a breeze going on. It's gonna be awesome. But as we're sweating and as we're drinking and as we're sitting here and as we're taking this in, being made ready has got to be of the utmost importance to us. Friends, once you've tasted the perfect love of Jesus, it's so easy just to open your hands in your life and submit everything to him because it's perfect. It's the perfect sweet love. It's a taste that you've never had before. It's a taste that no earthly vessel could give you. It is something that you won't find in streets. 
It's not something you'll find in a pharmaceutical. It's not something you'll find in someone else's bed. It's not something that you will find the way the world offers it to you. The world will offer you a counterfeit, broken lust that will promise to fulfill you every single desire, but it will taste bitter. And if it's not bitter, it'll be tart. And if it's not tart, it'll be sour. And if it's not sour, it will be spoiled. Because it can never make good on its counterfeit offer to be as sweet and perfect as the love of Jesus. You see, as Christians, we believe the Bible. I love the Bible. And there's this portion in the Bible called the book of Revelation. And in the book of Revelation, it's John and he's having this vision. He believes the Lord showed him a vision of the end times. And I'm not an end times preacher, okay? We're not about to say, we're in the end times. Get ready, turn to burn. Like, that's not where we're going right now. But you can read the book of Revelations and you can look around the world right now and you can see a lot of dark and you can see a lot of grim and you can see a lot of things happening outside that certainly look like the inside of the Word of God. And so this isn't a scare tactic. In fact, this is to encourage you. Because what John writes in Revelation 19, see, there's an end game in mind. And we've been given a glimpse of it to encourage us, inspire us, challenge us, and to keep us going and motivated. And this is what John says. Revelations 19, 7 through 8. Woo! Friends, we're being made ready because Christ has readied himself, friends. Jesus Christ. Christ anointed one, Messiah. He is the personification of what it means to be ready. And he is making us like him. And John says this in Revelations 19, let us rejoice and exalt and give him the glory for the marriage of the lamb has come and his bride has made herself ready. Let us rejoice, exalt him, give him all the glory, take none of it for himself, for ourselves. Meet him at his altar, the Lamb of God slain before the foundation of the earth comes for his bride. Why does he come? Because his bride has made herself ready. Verse 8, it was granted her to clothe herself with fine linen, bright and pure for the fine linen is the righteous deeds of the saints how do we get ready how do we get clothed how do we present ourselves spotless and blameless before the lamb of god in the end of days how does the bride make herself ready one a bride will make herself ready first and foremost when she submits herself to the groom to be made ready we got to do it Jesus' way, fam. we got to do it Jesus' way. He's coming back for the bride that he intends to marry, not the bride that we so often intend to give him. But in verse 8, he says, that linen, white, beautiful, 
immaculate, shining. This bride, how dressed up she is, not coming in tarts, not coming in sour or spoiled, but coming pure and blameless before the Lord, no wrinkle, spot, or blemish. This bride is clothed in the deeds and righteousness of his people. What does that mean? That means your assignment in the earth, the very things that God calls you to do, that's what you will be clothed in when you stand before the Lord. That means when he says that you can pray and that person will be healed, he will nourish you, he cherishes you, he looks after you, he loves you, and he empowers you because he has looked after, cherished, nourished, loved, and empowered himself. That means a bride has gotten ready because she's been empowered to be ready because God empowers himself. Somebody just declared today, I'm getting ready. All over this room say, I'm getting ready. I'm getting ready. We have got to be so committed to getting ready because, friends, Jesus was so committed to getting us ready to even have the ability for us to get ready, to have the ability to live like Jesus, look like Jesus, love like Jesus, and love like Jesus, that he gave himself fully. There isn't a fullness and there is an assurance that is available to the bride of Christ. And you will live in it, you will walk in it, when you begin to seek it out and get made ready. Am I preaching to anybody this morning? Would you stand with me? We're going to get ready to sing this song, Another in the Fire, which I think is apropos because there is another in the fire. And trust me, this is where we'll land the bird. Because fire is a refining process. Fire is a refining process. When you're going through seasons where you feel like you are just trapped in the furnace, doesn't mean that God caused it, but it does mean that he will sure use it. And you ask yourself in those moments, God, what are you drawing out of me? What are you bringing to the surface? How are you refining me? What are you trying to make me into? Because I'm the bride. I'm your bride. I want to be ready. I'm getting ready, God. So while I'm in the furnace, I will worship like I'm not. While I'm in the furnace, I will worship like I am in your presence. When I'm in the furnace, I'm going to live as the bride of Christ with full and complete assurance that though it may be hot and though I'm being asked to give up some things, not only are you in the furnace with me, but you love me in the furnace perfectly. Let's worship. Worship team, begin.